This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I just thought at halftime it, it, we were our, our own worst enemies. We were just, it was, we couldn't do anything without doing something wrong. Make a play and get a penalty or something. It was just, it was sloppy, very sloppy. We waited a long time to start playing. That, my, that was my message at halftime was just, this is all our fault, you know, the way this is going down. So we, we can change it. It all starts off with the captains. We got to make sure that we, we got to make sure that we're level-headed and, you know, we, we don't show emotion when it comes to a season like like this, uh, starting off like this, because we have we we haven't even started conference yet. You know, this is non-conference. You know, we can you know we can pout and moan about the last couple games, or we can drive on and try to get better and try to improve. And I think that's what those guys want to do. They want to improve. Uh, you know, we have different attitudes towards each and every week. Uh, we want to fix our things. We want to improve. Like Coach Raleigh always told us, it's always room for improvement every week, and I think that's what we're trying to do. Yeah, I don't know what it is, but I mean, we were talking after, like, I mean, that fourth quarter, that was the most fun football any of us that we've ever played. So, I mean, we're like, let's just do it all four quarters. It'll be fun. And I don't know why the slow start, but hopefully we get that changed around Saturday. And Nebraska is still searching for answers after that fourth quarter and, and, and the way things ended against Miami. Welcome to another edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Dan Hoppen, and Robin Washett later on will be joined by Nate Klaus. But, guys, it was uh, it, it was just one of those games. It was hard to put your finger on. I mean, really, for the first 50 minutes of that game, it was almost unwatchable from the Nebraska standpoint. And, from our, I mean, just doing our job, we're just sitting there like, what are we going to write? I remember, I remember my lead was a lot of people go to Miami to start their honeymoons. That's where Mike Riley's honeymoon ended. I'm like, yeah, I kind of toned that down a couple <laughs> notches as the game went on. But that's the, you know, down 33-10. They go for two when they make it 33-16. They get it. I kind of chuckled. I'm like, God, they really think they can come back? I mean, they're down 23 with like less than 10 to go. And they were able to pull that off. But, you know, when you look at this start, Robin, it's interesting just because they've played good teams. And I think that has maybe t- told us more about this team than, say, last year or years past. Because Nebraska didn't really schedule like this early with two of their three games against really good opponents. And maybe it will help them address their weaknesses earlier in the year. Maybe not. Maybe it could come back to bite them. But I think these tougher competition games out of the gates have really changed the narrative of year one for Mike Riley. Right, definitely. And, you know, obviously – no one is happy with a one and two start. I, th- I think that goes without saying. But like you mentioned, uh, I think there are some positives that that can come out of these first three games. Certainly, I mean, like you said, I mean, th- there's a lot to be said for playing against you know upper level competition. I mean, if this team was three and zero with three blowout wins over cupcakes, and we still didn't know anything about this team, which was the case for you know several previous years, you know, under the the last administration here. Uh, I, I don't know how comforting it would be. I mean, just look back to last year; they were what eight and one, and uh, you know, I don't. It think, never felt right. Yeah, and, and I think we even <laughs> nine games into the season, I don't think anybody truly knew how good that team was. And um, you know, obviously, the like I said, the, the start is not what you were hoping for this year. But I think that we have a much firmer grasp of what this team is all about, and if nothing else, uh, the resiliency and heart that these guys have to come back in two games and you know take it down to the wire yeah i mean you know you go back and look at those first three weeks last year 55 7 over florida atlantic at home 800 yards offense on those guys almost yeah 31 24 over mcneese state that was just a weird game and then they went out to fresno and killed fresno state 55 19 we knew nothing about this nebraska team that 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 three game stretch told me nothing about how they were going to handle you know the wisconsin minnesota iowa 
uh, trio of games at the end of the year or anything like that. I think we we do have a little bit better grasp for this team and what it is right now. There are some concerns that come along with that, I think, certainly, especially with what we've seen from the defense so far. Yeah, I think last year, too, uh, that Michigan State comeback kind of disguised their flaws a little bit, too, because mm-hmm. you know, they, they were getting really – it handed to them in East Lansing mm-hmm. and a couple of fluke plays late in the game, a DeMornay Pearson L punt return and some other things. They made that really respectable, and I think it kind of masked some of those issues they had last year. and. Um, like you said, I mean, when they played Wisconsin, those issues came into, into full effect. And now going forward, you know, it's not going to get easier. Uh, Nebraska was Southern Miss this week, Robin, a, a team that's averaging over 500 yards of offense. They run for 200 a game, though, so they're balanced. They're not one of these just throw, throw, throw. They will throw, run the ball 42 points a game. Todd Monken, a uh, less Miles, not less Miles, a Mike Gundy disciple at Oklahoma State. So they will try to really spread it around this week. And, um, the, I mean, Nebraska should win this game, but they, they are going to be challenged again defensively. Yeah, this is not the cupcake Southern Miss teams that you know Nebraska has seen in the past. Uh, you know, there's there's some pretty decent talent, uh, especially on the offensive side of the ball. They're very fast, uh, as Danny Langsdorf said. I don't think they're quite Miami fast, but uh, they're going to bring some speed and a quick tempo offense to the table. Um, and defensively, I think their front four is going to match up better up front uh, than most people think. So uh, there's going to be some challenges there, but I see this being a game that, you know, like you said, Nebraska not only should win, but they have every bit of motivation you could possibly ask for. I mean, considering this start and the game's at home and they need to get some sort of uh, momentum going into Big Ten play. And so I see this kind of being a game where Tommy Armstrong uh, really has another one of those big days because uh, Southern Miss is secondary. is really depleted. Uh, I don't even think they know who they're going to start at safety at this point. And uh, they've you know been you know, hindered with, uh, I think you have 50 points to Texas State uh, last week and uh, committed a ton of defensive pass interference calls. So I think that this really sets up to be a nice bounce back game to really get some good vibes going, uh, going to that Illinois opener. You're listening here to the Husker online show, Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Dan Hoppin, as we set the stage now for Southern Miss, it's an 11 a.m. game, Dan, on ESPN News. So are, are you going to have to upgrade your cable package to DVR it this week? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I mean, you're going to have to search hard to find this game. This isn't exactly a primetime match. It has to be a new – I mean, they're going to take a break between newscasts to air the Nebraska game this week. <laughs> so it's weird. A, it's kind of a bizarre deal, but I guess there's seven – I believe there's seven games on BTN this week, three 11 a.m.s, three 2.30s, and a night game, and they don't have the windows to air anymore, and – uh, that's what happens. Nebraska Southern Miss gets put on ESPN News. But these 11 a.m. games can be tricky for the players, the crowd. You know, if Nebraska comes out slow, Dan, um, those are the types of games at 11 a.m. where Memorial Stadium, you just get that kind of collective sigh and, and the place is dead. Well, and clearly, you know, coming out slow has been a problem for Nebraska. They they came out okay against BYU, I guess, and then kind of slowed down that second quarter. But obviously against Miami, they came out and – you know, looked like they'd gone on a bender the night before. <laughs> it was, it was not pretty. Uh, that can't happen again this week. And you know, some of the players, Malik Collins, the other day said, "Oh, I love playing 11 a.m. games because we just get to get up and go, don't have to wait or anything." Okay, you know, that's that's great to say it. 
you got to go out and prove it because, you know, like Robin talked about, this is not a great Southern Miss team, but there is some talent, and it's not a team that you want to let hang around. You want to try and establish an early lead and, and make them feel like they don't have a chance. Yeah, this will be the final of a three-game series. Uh, they came to Lincoln in 2012 and 2013. Nebraska was actually supposed to go down there in 13 to play a game in New Orleans. Uh, but Ellis Johnson got fired after the disastrous 0-12 season he had in 2012. Nebraska paid the buyout for Ellis Johnson, essentially, by moving that game out of Hattiesburg or New Orleans or Kansas City. They were kind of talking about different places to have the game in Lincoln. I think Nebraska paid them $2 million, But I, I joked with uh, Lanny Mixon, our Southern Miss rivals guy, you know, we, we Nebraska's played Southern Miss so much, it feels like they're a cross-divisional game. I mean, they, they've three times since 2012, and obviously they did a, a two-for-one back in the uh, 2000s as well. I believe it was like 99 mm-hmm. and 2003 and 2004. Not 99. Uh, yeah, it was 99. They almost beat Nebraska yeah. in 99. That was a really good Nebraska team that year too. Didn't it come down to a pick six towards the end to, for that Nebraska finally? Well, two. The, uh, there was that linebacker, uh, and the name just escaped. Yeah, I know. I can't uh, Ju- think Julius Jackson. That's right. Yes, Jackson. I think he had two defensive touchdowns. Right, right. Um, so. for Nebraska. And that was a top 15 Southern Miss team yeah. by the end of the year. They, they were. They had some pros on 10 that and team. two. I think they were 10 and two that year. They were a really good team. So, I don't think it's going to be quite that good of a team, guys, but. Uh, definitely a bigger challenge than what South Alabama posed uh, a couple of weeks ago here in Lincoln. Yeah, and again, it, it's going to be another good test for this team. I mean, obviously not of the caliber of a BYU or Miami, but you know, it's a team that Nebraska certainly can't take lightly. But uh, again, the opportunity is there for Nebraska to come out, play well, and uh, get the ball rolling into Big Ten play. All right, lots more to talk about. We're going to shift our focus over to offense and, and talk more about these drops. What what the heck is going on with all the drops in Nebraska's offense last week? It really set them back. We'll give our take on that next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. You know, if we had the, the formula for that one, we would be pretty wise. But, you know, I think that uh, just a matter of concentrating and watching the ball in and making sure it's an accurate throw and, and continuing to work with our guys in, in the timing and the rhythm of the passing game. We've got to think back to all the practices and the concentration. I mean, I know coaches this week, especially harping on it, you have dropped in practice. I mean, you're rolling after, and nobody wants to do that. I don't know if you've ever done that. But. 50 yards of roll? Is that what it is? Yeah, it's not fun at all. So 50 yards, you just lay down and just barrel roll 50 yards. And hey, welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. That was junior wide receiver Brandon Riley talking about the punishment these receivers get if they drop a single pass in practice. As he said, they have to get on the ground after practice and roll 50 yards across the field. And I'm sure Keith Williams uh, enjoys uh, coaching that drill when it, when it happens at the end of practice. Uh, you're listening here to the Husker Line Show. Sean Callahan, Dan Hoppen, Robin Washett. We bring now into the program Nate Klaus as well as um, we shift over to offensive stuff, guys. And, and Dan, you keep the detailed drop chart for us every week and Really, I think you're the first guy ever to keep a target drop type deal um, that's covered Nebraska, and it's interesting each week to kind of follow that. And I think we credited them with four drops, but Mike mm-hmm. Riley said they had six in their book. So we're a little more lenient, um, you know, with maybe uncatchable walls, but they considered they had six drops last week. Yeah, I mean, you know, we kind of try and talk about it amongst ourselves during the games, just, you know, trying to decide whether something is a drop or not. And sometimes, yeah, you know, if a ball is uncatchable or something, we'll give a guy a benefit of the doubt. But 
Um, apparently, Nebraska's coaches, you know, were not quite as nice as we were. They were pretty upset. And it's just weird. You look at a guy like Lane Hovey, best game of his career the week before against South Alabama, leads a team in targets and receptions, and then drops both of his uh, both the passes that come his way against Miami, gets benched. I mean, Seathan Carter is playing for the first time this year. He got hit on a pass and dropped it. It's just really unfortunate because a lot of those drops came on the first couple drives, and they really just kind of took Nebraska out of its rhythm, derailed what they were doing. Then, of course, Miami was doing whatever it wanted offensively, and that really kind of put Nebraska behind the eight ball. Yeah, Robin, my question, though, is on some of those early drives. I mean, you have these big third downs, and you're going to Lane Hovey. I know he has proven himself at least last week, but or two weeks ago against South Alabama, but why not a Westercamp or – you know, Brandon Riley and some of those key third downs. And, you know, that, that would be my question I have right now, going to someone like that on some key big third downs early. Yeah, I mean, I guess we really haven't broken down the film to see what the coverages were like and, you know, what, where the play was designed. But uh, the fact of the matter is Lane, Lane Hovey is a good enough receiver that he needs to make those catches. And, you know, if you're Tommy Armstrong, you're looking for the open receiver. And he did so. He did that plenty of times. And his receivers did not help him out. And like Dan said, I mean, the, those drops really just took the air out of Nebraska's offense, and you know that really kind of set the tone for what was an awful, awful start to that game. And um, I, I guess the, the good news was they were able to bounce back pretty well and uh, get him back in it. Let's bring Nate Klaus in here to the conversation. Nate, you talked with Coach Keith Williams, the wide receivers coach, at practice uh, on Tuesday. Kind of what were his thoughts on, on just maybe the issues and, and what have they done to work on them? Well, he was upset first and foremost. He said, you know, going into halftime, he was fuming mad and he really got after those receivers, uh, you know, in the locker room at halftime. And he said more than anything, it was a focus thing. He Those guys were not focused to come out into the game to, to start the game. And um, as you saw, they came out in the second half with more focus and they played really well and made some very difficult catches, um, you know, when it, when it was in crunch time and you know his message to that group after the game was you know we need to start the way we finished in Miami um, you know you, all those guys he has all the confidence in the world in that entire group but um, if they're not focused they're going to struggle you're listening here to the Husker online show let's stay on offense with Tommy Armstrong and and just what he did in that game uh, because if not for Tommy uh, Nebraska doesn't even make that a game we just with his decisions, his throws, and his runs. And I, I think, Dan, those runs are, are kind of maybe what helped open things up because it made Miami's defense have to kind of respect both elements. Absolutely. And how many times, you know, did it did a play come down to where, you know, Tommy's getting pressure and all of a sudden he just spins. He's really got that spin move down. He spins out of trouble and then either, you know, keeps his eyes downfield and tries to find – a receiver streaking open, or he runs it, like you mentioned. I, I think that that gave Miami all kinds of problems. You know, I saw um, another local media member, he was tweeting about how, you know, there are portions of every game where, and I want to get you guys' opinion on this, um, on where Tommy Armstrong is incredible, times of games when he's horrible, like the roller coaster is always entertaining. And I was thinking to myself, when was Tommy horrible? He wasn't against Miami. There was at no point in that game was he horrible. He had one interception. Now you got to name that. You know, I'm not going to make you name the guy, but I want to know who the guy is off air. We, and we can talk about it. <laughs> Be, but uh, I mean, he had one interception where a true freshman admits that he made the wrong read. He had another interception where defense back makes a great play. Ball pops up in the air and yeah. falls into his lap. And yeah, the interception in overtime was not a great decision. 
But Nebraska is not in overtime if not right. for Tommy's heroics. No so doubt. are you guys on the same page with me there or am I yeah, crazy? I, Total think, agreement. I think that take is terrible. And uh, <laughs> I, don't under, take. I don't understand what game you're watching because, like you said, the, the, the only good thing Nebraska had going for it offensively was Tommy Armstrong. I mean, his playmaking ability well, was the only reason that was even a game. I mean, if, if he's not making the plays that he does, Miami wins that game by 40. Easy. And, yep. and it would be a complete disaster. So uh, to say that he was horrible by any stretch of the imagination is just flat wrong. Well, not to mention his leadership abilities, too, without without that and the playmaking to go along with it. Uh, yeah, they're not even close to being in that game. Yeah, that when it's 33-10, you're almost thinking in the fourth quarter, maybe they should just bend or rest Tommy and not let him get hurt. I mean, I seriously, in a million years, I never thought he could get a 23-point comeback nope. with – Two, three touchdowns and two two-point conversions. I mean, I, I've watched a lot of football, and I've never seen mm-hmm. that happen, because mainly because it's so hard to execute those two-point conversion plays, because if they don't get the first one, they probably don't do it. I mean, they don't, right? I mean, it would have been next to impossible. Yeah, that's that Danny Langsdorf scheme, yep. though. I mean, those play designs on both of those were perfect, and I mean, that's, that's that NFL experience that uh, drew those up. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we talk offensive storylines and uh, let's move down to the running game in general. It's just been inconsistent. I mean, Nebraska was under a 150. What was the final number, Dan, on rushing yards for Nebraska in the game? Uh, Nebraska finished with 153. They averaged 4.8 yards per carry. And that's with the 22-yard sack taken right. off. So, really, they were about 170, 180 on the ground when you get rid of that sack that Armstrong took. Um, that, that does count in the college game against the rushing numbers. Uh, but – they need to be, I think, over 200 realistically to win games, and, and and they weren't. I mean, they didn't get a consistent ground game on Saturday, Robin. Yeah, and you know, there's plenty of reason for for blame there. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, Terrell Newby didn't have his best day, especially coming off his his breakout game a week ago. I mean, granted, he finished with 82 yards, you know, just under six yards of carry, so the numbers are a little deceiving. But how many plays that we were watching did it look like he was going to bust off a 15 to 20 yarder and he gets stopped for a five or six yard gain? I mean, that second level ability that he just doesn't have it in my opinion. I mean, he, that's what separated Amir Abdullah from everybody else is once he got through that first level of the defense, it was almost a guarantee he was going to make the first guy miss. And right now, Terrell Newby is just not doing that. And uh, so, I mean, obviously there's some blame to be put there, but you know, to his credit, his offensive line didn't help him out a whole lot either. I mean, the, the holes were, were not there. And so you're really asking a lot of, you know, any of those backs uh, to try and make, you know, something out of nothing many times. And then, of course, the penalties were uh, absolutely atrocious and have really plagued Nebraska all season long. So That's a whole other show. Right, right. No <laughs> doubt, no doubt. So clearly a lot of issues there. And so you can't just put it on one guy like Terrell Newby. I mean, it's it's Terrell Newby. It's the, the play calling. It's the offensive line's performance. And so it's really kind of a... Uh, maybe one of the biggest points of concern outside of penalties uh, about this offense going this at four games in the season. Hey, let me pose this question to both Nate and Dan. You know, it's kind of funny we were joking about this that there's two things that are kind of annoying this coaching staff by the media questions. I think one, the Mikael Wilbon question every week, and two, did Mike Cavanaugh are they going to rotate on the offensive line? I mean, if you want to have Mike Cavanaugh take off his hat and headbutt you, <laughs> ask him if they're going to rotate on the offensive line. That's right. You know, the, the everyone's fascination with the offensive line rotation is kind of starting to stick in Mike Cavanaugh's craw. And, you know, look, his take is uh, he's never been a guy to rotate along the offensive line. And, um, you know, in the only way that he is going to do that is if there's a backup that's just as good as the starters. And right now, uh, the way he sees it is uh, he's not going to take uh, one of his starting five out 
out and replace him for someone who's not as good. So he likes that. Um, he likes every, the way everyone's playing up front. He's not going to do it. And regarding the whole Mikhail Wilbon situation, I feel like it's almost you know kind of backup quarterback syndrome where he's kind of the great unknown, and you know the backup quarterback is always the most popular guy on the team because you know it's all just promise, and you haven't seen him mess up on the field. And I'll admit, I, I like Mikhail Wilbon a lot. I've seen some good things out of him in fall camp. I thought he was good in the opener, but really, here's all you need to know about what the coaching staff thinks about the difference between Terrell Newby and Mikhail Wilbon. In the last two games, Newby's got 42 carries. Wilbon has one. And when Newby is coming out of the games, it's Amani Cross who's getting the reps after him. So in the coaches' minds, and they're the ones that get to see these guys day in and day out, they, they know their understanding of the offense and all that, Newby is uh, is pretty far above Wilbon right now. But, so I think that's really all we need to know. But, Dan, my PlayStation dynasty says differently. You know? <laughs> I, mean, I, I think it works better, you know. <laughs> we'll shift over and talk defense next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Well, you really It's really just a, hum, a humbling experience, really, when you go against teams that are good teams. And we thought, I mean, obviously we thought we, we were pretty good, but, I mean, really you go back to the drawing board and you fix the things that, that we messed up on because we did mess up a lot in that game, and it was a lot on us. So You know, we haven't had as many opportunities as we had last year where teams came out running the ball right away. Like I said, just, just practicing technique within the new defense and, and, and getting better, man. I mean, you know, just adapting to change and, and, and taking it from there. And back here on the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan and Dan Hoppin and Robin Washett and Nate Klaus as we talk defense. And one of the big, I think, questions with Nebraska's defense early on has been just the lack of production from the defensive line. Through three games, Vincent Valentine, Malik Collins, Kevin Williams have a combined zero tackles for loss. Greg McMullen has one. And, you know, really, Freedom has been the most productive guy uh, as well as Kevin Maurice. Uh, but that, to me, that was kind of the given. Nebraska's defensive line was going to set the table. They were going to dominate up front. They were going to get to quarterbacks. They were going to beat the five on four. Therefore, we're going to be able to beat most people's five. That hasn't happened, Robin, as you look at this. And I think you can go back and say, oh, it's the coverage's fault. But really, the, the front four not getting home and the blitzes not getting home have been just as big of an issue. Right. On the outside, obviously, the loss of Jan Jack Anguish hurt. But, I mean... It's not like he was the most explosive pass rusher out there. So uh, when your best pass rusher off the edge is a guy that was playing tight end like two years ago, that's probably a point of concern. Uh, obviously, that uh, was a uh, an issue going in and has played out uh, like most people feared. Uh, inside, though, I think is the biggest surprise. I think most people were expecting Malik Collins to just be dominant, especially after what we saw from him all through spring, all through fall camp. There were points in practice where Nebraska's offensive line couldn't even block him, and yet he's been essentially a non-factor. And to to his credit, though, uh, you know the, the the coaching staff has said that uh, you know they've seen teams double team him not only just with running backs, but bringing tackles from the outside inside to help chip on him. And they said they haven't seen a team do that on a defensive tackle since Stephen Paella, uh, who's now with the uh, Chicago Bears. Uh, so that I mean. It's not like Milik is just you know getting shut down on one-on-one blocking matchups. I mean, teams are focusing around him, but uh, that also brings into question what the other four guys on the defensive line are doing to, to help him out. Yeah, Nebraska, they've shown a pretty good, I think, uh, that this coaching staff has shown a pretty good 
ability to adjust, but this is an adjustment that they haven't really made so far that they need to. Because these these guys on the line, they're just simply too talented. And I mean, you go back and you look at that Miami game, Joseph Yearby averaged seven and a half yards a carry. He was doing whatever he wanted out there. There was no push from the defensive line. I think, you know, we kind of expected, especially once Jack Anguish got hurt, that getting a pass rush, you know, from that D-line might be, uh, that might be a bit of a struggle. But I don't think, I, I didn't see these tackles just being so invisible during games. Yeah, and what will be interesting going forward is in the Big Ten, uh, Nebraska is not going to see maybe these high-powered um, spread-type offenses that they've seen the first few weeks. It's going to be more running teams like Michigan State and Minnesota and Wisconsin and Iowa, four teams that play heavy tight ends. They play fullbacks. They, they, they like to run. Um, so that should hopefully play into more of what this scheme has been built for. But we haven't seen anyone do it, Nate, so we don't really know – how this team and this defense will react to Big Ten. But I, I feel like it's built for Big Ten, but we just don't know yet. Well, it's built for the Big Ten and, and the, to shutting down that run game. You know, I, I keep looking back at, at uh, Ndamukin Sue's career. And when, when he was at Nebraska, you know, the first few years of his career, obviously everyone knew how talented of a guy he was, but he really didn't sh- put it all together until, you know, his junior year. Uh, and then obviously the senior season he had was phenomenal. But, uh, you know, part of me thinks that Malik Collins is, is maybe, maybe got caught up in his own hype a little bit, maybe trying to do a little too much on his own. And those guys maybe aren't working in unison the way they should. So, uh, which you'd like to see is you know for them to kind of come together as a unit here um, obviously against Southern Miss and then uh, especially once they get into Big Ten play to, to stop those run games. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. We're talking defensive storyline. Sean Callahan and Nate Klaus, Dan Hoppen, Robin Washett. Uh, one of the big storylines this week was the injury setback with Michael Rose Ivy. I mean this guy just can't catch a break. He missed all of 2014 with an ACL. He was suspended for game one uh, for an off-season violation. He played great in game two against South Alabama. He played so-so against Miami, and we know now why. Um, he suffered a growing injury, and he's going to be out at least four weeks. I've heard even five to eight. It's definitely not an ideal injury situation because that was a position, Robin, linebacker, where they were so razor thin that there were two kind of indispensable Huskers, Banderas, Rose Ivy. Well, Rose Ivy's out. Banderas is probably playing at about 80 or 90% right now. Well, unfortunately, you know, that the three starting linebackers Nebraska thought it was going to have going into the year have played a, a grand total of about three quarters together. Uh, you know, that Miami game was the first time uh, Dedrick Young, Banderas, and Rose Ivy had actually started a game together. And obviously, it won't last. We won't see it again for another month, maybe more. So uh, certainly uh, continues to be an issue, that linebacker depth. But, um, you know, I guess when you put a positive spin on it, like Mike Riley did on Monday, I mean, with the fact that they've had so many of those those starting three miss time, uh, the back was behind them and able to get some pretty significant reps. And so you feel, I guess, a little bit better about just the, the experience they've gained in those starters' absence, but uh, clearly a pretty significant drop-off just from a talent standpoint uh, from the, the, the front line to the backups. Yeah, I don't think people really even understand how good Michael Rose Ivy is. This guy has essentially played a game and a half this year, and he's third on the team in tackles. He is really smart. He's a good leader. I think he's Nebraska's best blitzer, um, you know, from the from the back seven. 
Just the timing aspect. Of exactly. It. Yeah. This is a guy that Nebraska is really going to miss. And I like, you know, Marcus Newby. I think Luke Gifford as a coverage guy, you know, certainly brings something to the table. But to lose a guy like Michael Rose Ivy, it just really hurts. And I mean, you know, you talk about it could be, you know, four weeks, could be five to eight weeks. And when he comes back, he's not going to be 100% right away. He's going to be a little rusty. So this is this is a big deal for Nebraska. And let's wrap it up here as we talk defense. Nate, uh, let, let's talk secondary. Daniel Davey, uh, this guy has really uh, taken another step back. I mean, Miami goes right at him. I mean, they, they kind of go for the the weak the weak goat in the herd there on the first few plays of the game. I mean, <laughs> I mean they didn't waste any time. We're sitting up there and we're like, well, we know what Miami's game plan is going to be, and they just kept throwing and throwing at Daniel Davey until he was basically out of the game. And it's a mental thing for Daniel Davey at this point. And and we knew coming into the season that those you know those corners were going to have a big adjustment just with the way this uh, defense is is running and and that uh, you know and Daniel Davey said himself that you know coming into the year those guys had to be more technically sound weren't going to be able to take uh, as many chances as they did in the old defense because they didn't have that help. Well, um, you know relying on that technique now you know when you're uh, in a fragile state of mind has has really done number on Daniel Davey and um, you know you, you either want to see him come out of this funk or you got to have another guy step up uh, since I'm a stat nerd I feel like I have to at least bring a couple nerd n- alert I, I won't deny it a uh, couple numbers here Nebraska giving up 357 passing yards per game Indiana is the only team in the country that's worse than that um, Nebraska has allowed an opponent to pass for more than 70 yards in nine of the 12 quarters this season uh, that's that's not great and uh, in Bo Pelini's entire tenure, there was never a three-game stretch in which um, Nebraska allowed three straight 300-yard passers, and that's happened in the first three games so far this year. So definitely some concerns uh, with the back seven going on. Lots of questions, obviously, for this Nebraska defense with the Golden Eagles coming to town. There's no doubt Southern Miss will test Nebraska, and we'll have much more to talk about on just this group overall next week. When we come back here on the podcast, we'll shift over to our stock watch, who's trending up, who's trending down. That's next here on the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I know he feels bad and sorry about his response, you know, and uh, Alex is a good guy, he's sensitive. He he made a mistake on a penalty that was bad. He knows that. We all know that. And then his response was bad because, first of all, you know, he doesn't need to do that. You don't need to gain your identity from social media and react like that. And secondly, you don't generalize like that about a group of people. He knows that. That's basically was the nature of our talk. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show as we start our Stock Watch Report segment. And uh, to no surprise, we lead things off, guys, with our good friend, the El Capitone. El Capitan. I'm trying to say it funny. El Capitan? Yeah. <laughs> some, some, there it is. Somebody help me out here. That was uh, the captain, Alex Lewis, with his kind of mea culpa on Facebook. It was like an all-out blast. I mean, it was on Instagram, Facebook, and did it go on Twitter? I believe so. I mean, he just did a full-out blast of all social media networks available. might have been on Snapchat, but <laughs> Alex Lewis calls out the entire Oscar fan base because about five knuckleheads tweeted at him, and somehow he thinks that that includes even the old ladies that sit in South Stadium on Saturdays. All Husker fans are against him. Alex, all Husker fans are not against you, buddy. 
Get some thick skin. Stock down, Alex Lewis. Well, first of all, if you're one of those people who feels the need to tweet at players or recruits or anything like that after they commit somewhere else or they have a bad game or something like just stop. Like, there's there's no purpose to it. Don't do that anymore. It's ridiculous. But on at the same time, Alex Lewis, yeah, you got to grow some thicker skin, man. Either don't read the comments, uh, you know, don't look at your mentions, or if you do want to do it, you can't reply back to it. Because what he, what he came out and said, it was just completely inappropriate. Yeah, let's keep in mind, too, that uh, from an age standpoint, Alex Lewis is the oldest guy on Nebraska's roster. He's a six-year senior. Yeah, because he gray-shirted at Colorado. I mean... You could say what you want about you know being a young kid getting caught up in the moment. He's not a young kid. <laughs> I mean, he's a grown man. He's pretty man. much old enough to rent cars. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, so like you would expect more from not only a guy who's a senior captain, but a guy of you know his age. I mean, at some point you got to know when to just ignore it. And you know, people ask Tommy Armstrong on Monday, you know, how do you handle that? He's like, I don't even look at it because I'll tell you what, Tommy Armstrong's probably got his fair share of Twitter jabs and criticisms like that. So I mean, it's just a. a, a a point where you got to man up and just ignore it. All right, let's go back over to stock up. I'm going to start with the fourth quarters. This team continues to be a fourth quarter team. Last year, Michigan State, Iowa, uh, USC, and then obviously against BYU, Nebraska came back, but then this game on Saturday, they lost. But just the, the fourth quarter trend that Bo Pelini kind of had in this team, it still is definitely a big part of their character. And Tommy Armstrong, Dan Hoppen, who do you have for stock up? I'm going to go with the former Husker, Quincy Nunwa. Not only did he make his first career NFL catch uh, on Monday Night Football against my Colts, of course. <laughs> Went for a long first down. Um, that's neither here nor there. But uh, a couple Jets receivers, Eric Decker and Chris Owusu, are both injured this week. Owusu's going to be out for several weeks. Decker could play this weekend, but even if he does, he's going to be very limited. So there's an opportunity for Stanley there to get some real Quincy. playing time. Or, excuse me, yes, <laughs> Quincy, not Stanley. Uh, I was thinking Stanley Morgan because I think that's where you're going next, right, Robin? Yeah, he's my stock up, Stanley Morgan. Uh, the, the, the freshman that was the rave of fall camp has gotten better and better with every game he's played. Uh, uh, Dan relayed some stats from the target standpoint after getting two targets in the in the opener with uh, one catch. He got seven last week against uh, Miami. Uh, obviously put up a big game with that clutch touchdown in the fourth quarter. And uh, this kid, the, the sky's the limit with his potential. Every time he takes the field, he just looks more poised, more confident. And uh, again, the, the best way to say it is he's just a kid that's beyond his years. Who's training up for you, Nate Klaus? My stock up is Freedom Akmuladun, you know, nice. the redshirt freshman who has, uh, you know, last year at this time was playing tight end on the scout team trying to block Randy Gregory. And now he's doing his best Randy Gregory impression on defense. Now, of course, he's not that type of talent, um, but, you know, he's had three tackles for loss, uh, you know, his first three games, a couple sacks. Uh, and he's arguably Nebraska's best pass rusher right now, and, and I think he's filled in quite admirably for uh, for Jack Gangwish so far. Bonus stock up, Nate's pronunciation of Freedom's <laughs> last name. I think he's the only one who consistently pronounces it right. I do I do Chris Fowler in Dominican Sue 2009, where I remember he couldn't say Sue, yep. and he was like, Mr. Sue. <laughs> Mr. Freedom. Yeah, but he tried to say it, he was like, Nick Dagenkin. Yeah, it was terrible. It was really bad. All right, we're, let's go back to down. We've already covered Alex Lewis. Who's taking the 11 a.m. ESPN News? Is that me? I think that's you. All right, yeah, I'm going ESPN News, 11 a.m., Rocky Boyman on the color. By the way, I remember this guy vividly. I used to have a roommate named Brian Orton that had the red hair. In my fraternity back in college, we used to call him Rocky Boyman. Just give some background on who Rocky Boyman is. Rocky Boyman, if you remember, <laughs> when Nebraska played in South Bend, 
and they gave up. Uh, they, they were number one in the nation in 2000. College game day was there at that game. It was a great stage with the Husker fans. Nebraska edged out an overtime win. Rocky Boyman was the star linebacker for that Bob Davey defense that nearly beat the number one ranked Huskers in South Bend. He has now elevated his career from the Indianapolis Colts to broadcasting games on ESPN News at 11 a.m. He was terrible with the Colts, too. <laughs> I, I, want, I want that to be on the record. All right, Nate Klaus, stock down. What do you the have? Penalties. Uh, the penalties have really hurt this team. And, uh, you know, through three games, Nebraska has 31 penalties, second most in the country, 89.3 penalty yards per game, which is 121st in the country. This is something that has to be cleaned up and really is, is preventable. And you have a, a handful of guys who are the main culprits here. Uh, and this is something that, that has really plagued Nebraska early on and, and uh, you know, has to get better. And we close it out here with stock down. What do you have, Robin? Watch it. I'm going to go with Nebraska's Big Ten opener opponent, uh, the Illinois Fighting Illini. So after they're getting their head coach, Tim Beckman, fired like a week before their season opener, they come back and blow Kent State out of the water 52-3, to get a 44 nothing win over Western Illinois. And all of a sudden, if you turn it to Big Ten Network or even you know, ESPN or what, some of the other channels, they're talking about, is Illinois for real? Are they a contender in the Big Ten West? Well, 48-14, to 14, lost North Carolina later. That talk has gone out the window. Pump the brakes. Yeah, uh, they were clearly exposed for, for what they were. The, the Bill Cubitt uh, hype train has uh, come to a screeching halt. They get another cupcake against Middle Tennessee this week, but uh, I think Nebraska's, uh, I guess, fear level about going in uh, to Champaign, Illinois, has certainly gone down quite a bit. The point spread was like eight and a half, and that game was in Chapel Hill. And the other one that boggled my mind was the fact that Purdue was only a five-point or five-and-a-half-point dog to Virginia Tech, and they mm-hmm. got throttled. I mean, if you want to talk about taking money, I mean, those two games, as far as picking – uh, the, against the Big Ten teams, I think were pretty easy picks um, if I was a guy that would have went to Las Vegas last weekend. But uh, we will close the show. Rob and Dan, uh, thanks again. We'll see you Saturday, Southern Miss, Nebraska, 11 a.m., and we'll bring in Nate Klaus and give final thoughts here on recruiting. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus. We're going to wrap it up with some recruiting talk. And, Nate, these 11 a.m. games typically, traditionally, are not big recruiting games. The only one I ever remember that was – and it was actually Southern Miss when he committed was Zach Bowman, a five-star corner from New Mexico Military Academy, still in the NFL, the Dolphins now, uh, committed during that Southern Miss game in 04. How I remember that, I don't know. You probably still remember that too. But, Absolutely. Uh, Nebraska lost that game an 11 a.m. Southern Miss game that was actually televised on ABC back then. Uh, but this 11 a.m. game, you know, it's going to be a small list of officials. Yeah, those early starts just make it so difficult to get kids in uh, for the official visits. And really, unless a guy plays on a Thursday night or has a bye that week, it's pretty much impossible unless they're you know within driving distance. So only one visitor for this weekend, but it is a good one. And that's Jordan Elliott, defensive tackle out of Houston, Texas, uh, Westside High School. And he's you know this kid is one of the more more sought after defensive tackles in the country right now. He's a uh, six five, three hundred pounds, and really athletic kid. You know, plays some defensive. 
defend, plays D tackle, and has pretty much been unblockable so far as senior year. Um, in Nebraska, only offered him probably about two weeks ago, but they've done some quick work, and you have to give credit to Hank Hughes and uh, you know uh, Trent Bray, Reggie Davis. All these all these guys have really uh, gone after him hard. He will be his first official visit, uh, and this is a guy that's going to be you know taking all five trips, and um, you know Nebraska's going toe to toe against you know forty other schools that have offered. It's by quite think, an offer list on yeah, his rivals page. Yeah, absolutely, and, and uh, you know Oklahoma, Texas, USC. Michigan. These are the other schools that are that Nebraska is really going uh, going toe to toe with. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. We're wrapping the show up with some recruiting talk, Nate. And Nebraska was at Miami, so obviously a road game with no official visitors. But Nebraska's coaches, uh, two of them, Brian Stewart and Keith Williams, were able to get out in South Florida and catch a couple of games. What were you able to find out about that? Well, wide receiver C.J. Riley is that big-bodied target that Nebraska would really like to add to this group. And uh, wide receivers coach Keith Williams was able to get out to to his game at uh, North Broward High School and see C.J. play. And, and that's always a big boost. You know, when, when you can tell a kid that, hey, we've traveled halfway across the country to, to play a big game uh, on a Saturday, but, hey, w- we came out on Friday night to check you out specifically, that makes a big impact with these kids. And, and you know, C.J. Riley is not one to really talk a whole lot do a ton of interviews but he uh, he holds Nebraska in high regard right now and, and I think Nebraska is probably the leader when you look at his connections to the program his mother was a at one time a, a basketball or volleyball player at Nebraska ended up transferring to Peru State but uh, both his mom and dad have family have ties in in the state of Nebraska and uh, you know you, you have to like the direction that this recruitment is going and then Trayvon Mullins is another kid that uh, Brian Stewart was able to see one of the better uh, cornerbacks in the state of Florida and we all know how bad Nebraska needs uh, needs some talent at that cornerback position you know Nate uh, some other things with this recruiting class we did get some confirmation our own Mike Mattia on the injury of Bo Wilson uh, with the knee what were we able to find out this week on Bo Wilson well, he had a, a grade two strain or tear of his of his PCL, and you know I'm not exactly sure you know what that means, but uh, other than the fact that that you know it set him back, you know probably five to six weeks at least. You know he's coming along and really has not played more than you know the first half of the home opener uh, for Lee Summit West. And but the good thing is it doesn't it's not going to require surgery, and uh, he seems to be coming back you know right on right on schedule, if not a little bit ahead of time. So, uh, you know, I know both Bo and his coach are hopeful that he'll be back in, in two to three weeks. But um, you never like to see an injury happen. But it, it, the good thing is it wasn't, you know, season ending or, or needing major surgery. Now, Nate, there's been some other movement with visitors that have come into Lincoln already. And, and some of it obviously for the good for Nebraska at this point. Yeah, Tremaine Ancrum, you know, offensive tackle out of Georgia is, you know, obviously a position of need for Nebraska. Was down to to Georgia, Nebraska, Colorado, and just this past week, Georgia, you know, received a commitment from another offensive tackle and and told Tremaine, hey, you can still come up on your visit, uh, but you know, we don't have a scholarship open for you anymore. So uh, he he ended up canceling that official visit this pa- this past weekend, and uh, you have to think that that puts Nebraska in the driver's seat to land his commitment. He's still going to be taking that trip out to Colorado does have some ties to that program
program, but I know for a fact that uh, he really enjoyed his visit for the BYU game. And, and actually, in a strange twist, he I think the fact that Nebraska, you know, actually lost that game, um, you know, may have helped uh, their chances. And that happens but, sometimes. Yeah, because uh, he saw a need, um, you know, along that offensive line. But, you know, when, when a team is uh, put in that type of situation, I think uh, a lot of times their, their true colors come out. And he said that he was really able to, to get a really good feel for uh, how, you know, how real this, uh, the team and the coaching staff is because, you know, sometimes when, when you win big and, and you're on your recruiting visit, you know, people are going to do and say all the right things to try and get you to commit there. But, you know, when you, when you lose, you get a better idea of how real people are and, and how they really act in, in certain situations. And, and uh, he really liked the, the way that uh, everyone interacted with him in, in those set of circumstances. And then you tight end Dante Coleman, who visited for South Alabama, was a Texas Tech commit and following his visit, didn't have a ton to say, uh, was kind of playing things close to the vest, but you knew he enjoyed his trip. All of a sudden, three or four days later, decommits from Texas Tech. And, and if you're a Twitter guy, you've noticed that Dante Coleman is tweeting and retweeting an awful lot of Nebraska stuff. Um, so you'd like Nebraska's chances uh, with him. And he said that visit really opened his eyes. And, and obviously, that's a, that's a spot that Nebraska desperately needs playmakers at. Uh, they're so thin at that tight end spot. Position. Apparently, he wasn't impressed with Cliff Kingsbury's smackdown of <laughs> Brett Bielema after the the win last week. Those guys had in, in, in Lubbock. But uh, let's close on in-state, Nate. Um, there have been a couple of developments, um, really no new offers, obviously. But one guy in our own city here of Lincoln has kind of hit the map. And, and this is definitely kind of one of those off-the-radar things that now is very much on the radar. Yeah, Cordarius Bailey, 6'4", 210, 215-pound defensive end out of Lincoln High School, uh, is really, in the last two weeks, has gone from being a completely unknown guy to, to quite possibly being the next in-state guy to, to receive an offer from Nebraska. And you watch his film, you see how athletic he is coming off the edge as a defensive end. Um, you know, I mean, he's just a tremendous prospect. Originally from Mississippi, he came, you know, moved to Lincoln his freshman year of high school and it's just continually gotten better each and every year and uh, right now you know through you know three or four games of, of the you know junior season he's got four or five sacks uh, you know approaching double digit tackles for loss and uh, is really a guy whose who's ceiling and upside is tremendous and Lincoln High I think they are a team to watch in the future Mark Mackey the former Creighton prep longtime assistant coach uh, is the head coach there but you know, their freshman team, I'm told, is the best in the city. In fact, they beat Lincoln Southeast like 62 to nothing in a freshman game. Um, so it wouldn't be surprising to see Lincoln High continuing to get better, especially if they're getting players like Coleman. Well, that, that wraps it up here for another edition of the Husker Online show. Make sure you stick on Husker Online. We'll have full coverage of the Southern Miss game uh, on the site as well as the recruiting weekend. Thanks again for joining us this week on HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 